You are listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Pro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. Um, this is a special edition of the Conscious Pro Show. I'm sitting on a biodynamic farm. you got to remind me the name one more time. Prairie Rose Farm. Prairie Rose Farm. I am just outside of Fargo, uh, North Dakota, in Felton, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting with three lovely souls, three lovely individuals, Verna Cragness, uh, Mason Burby, and Roberta Nelson. All three of these individuals are involved in a lot of amazing initiatives, amazing activities. And first, just to introduce, I'm going to have them introduce themselves. I'll start with you, Verna. You want to say a little something about yourself? Sure. I'm excited to have us here on this back porch of a farmhouse that's been slowly renovated We're settling in, as I tell my friends, if you think about a friend who has a new house and they're saying, come see my new house. And they come and there's the piles of cement in one corner and then there's um, the studs are still getting put up. That's what the beginning is of something like this initiative, a biodynamic farm. It will take us a number of more years to have it really shine into the world. Well, we've made an amazing start in these first three years, and that's what I'm excited to be a part of. Right on. And how about you, Mason? Uh, my name is Mason Burby. I'm a second season intern here working on Prairie Rose Farm. I am six months new to sort of anthroposophy, maybe a little bit longer. I began during the winter time of 2022 going into 2023. I've been learning through Verna Cragness and Roberta Nelson here, and recently I've met Kyle, and uh, we've been sharing a lot of common interests and uh, a lot of shared visions and goals here. Um, I'm also new to farming and the biodynamic movement, um, and my heart is filled with joy and uh, light and love for all of the work that I've been doing for the past six months. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thank you, Mason. And then, Roberta, you want to say a little something about yourself? Um, I want to say warm greetings to all of the listeners. I'm, um, this is a new experience for me, and I might add I'm a bit nervous. However, I'm grateful for this opportunity to speak to you. I've known Verna for many, many years, and she has uh, fairly recently moved to um, the area where I've lived for 54 years, which is in eastern North Dakota. As Kyle said, my name is Roberta Nelson. I'm involved, as he also mentioned, in a lot of different projects. I'm uh, the president and faculty chair for an anthroposophic psychology program, which offers um, learning experiences in three-year seminars. I have a history working clinically with um, people who are experiencing or have experienced um, extreme trauma as well as addiction issues. My background is in psychology and farming and cooking because part of what I did for many years of my life was walk alongside my husband who had one of the first organic farms in eastern North Dakota. And I cooked a lot of meals. Thank you. Thanks, Roberta. So a lot of things that we're presenting to the table here. I mean, I hear I hear farming. I hear psychology. You work with addicted individuals as well. And then um, 
So we got a lot of different things, but the umbrella that unites us is anthroposophy. So I felt I felt like we would just start with that, and I'll just go one by one. I'll start starting with you, Verna. What exactly is anthroposophy? What is it to you, anyway? Well, the quickest definition is, you know, what I can share in the sense of the wisdom um, of a human being. Um, but you know, for me, it's been um, a gradual awakening to a deeper understanding of myself and a recognition of the spirit in the world and how it has formed us and continues to support us. And um, I grew up with a, in this community, actually, with a strong background in, as a Lutheran um, member of a local church and um, explored so many different avenues of life for a while and within anthroposophy have found a home again back within the context of an active social justice oriented church life and so for me um, anthroposophy is about a spiritual uh, framework orientation process for self-development in order to live fully in my life and to find uh, deeper meaning in all the work that I want to do. Wow, thank you. Uh, Mason, do you want to tackle that question? What is anthroposophy to you? Yeah, what is anthroposophy to me? And you're new. What, six months in? Yes. Cool. Yes. Uh, anthroposophy to me has been this, this path from a very chaotic place in my lifetime to a more centered groundedness and I think the best way to put it is that um, through other people who have been studying anthroposophy through Verna for example I have been learning the value of communication between humans and individuals and um, to develop a strong sense of yourself to be able to relate to the other and to be open and honest and develop the core values that create <laughs> um, the fullness that we can be as human beings, as individuals. And so I've been learning a lot about the social aspects of community, of family, of organizations coming together and sharing knowledge and wisdom with one another in a good way. Um, that allows each individual, each organization, or each family to be respected in a reciprocal way. Um, anthroposophy also means a, a reconnection to the land. I felt a deep disconnection from the land for most of my life. Um, grew up, I grew up in a town, in a city, and never really had a access or a way to farming or a way to nature a way to connect and learn about nature. And so for myself, a connection to the land is very, very important to me. And I found that through anthroposophy. Um, and so anthroposophy is, to me so far, has been a way for myself to reconnect to the land, to reconnect with people, and to become more of a person who is able to work in a good way with all of these different aspects of life. And now at this recent conference I was at, I have been learning about physics 
in a whole new way. I have been learning about trauma therapy in a whole new way. I have been learning about science and uh, <laughs> all these different parts um, that make up the intellectual, feeling, loving human beings that we can be. So it's really been a, uh, a path of reconnection and reestablishing myself as a human being. Um, and I think I'll leave it at that for now. It's, it's, uh, that's sort of what it's been for me so far. Yeah. Right on. Thank you. What do you have to say, Roberta? Well, it's, um, dear listeners, it's hard to follow what um, Mason just said, as well as Verna, because in many ways, um, they've captured and expressed what anthroposophy is for me. So, as I'm holding that question, which is a significant one, anthroposophy has provided meaning at an extremely deep level for me. And this relates to perhaps, certainly to my biography and perhaps to many of yours when I emphasize the word meaning. As a youngster, I had the opportunity to grow up with um, parents who were atheists and because of their belief systems I was allowed a great deal of freedom. So that freedom meant that um, I could respond to an inner yearning which was in me to somehow figure out what does it mean when God is referenced or what does it mean about, you know, what is divinity? And so that quest took me into, uh, you know, I was confirmed a Lutheran. I attended a private Catholic girls' school. I also ended up being a Methodist for a while. And then I decided I would be an atheist. And what I'm trying to get at is there was a yearning deep within my soul to understand human beings to understand nature and the answers that I was getting and this journey led me into contemporary psychology the answers that I was, was getting from whether it was organized religion or my college experiences they were helpful but they never put me where my soul was yearning to go and I think because of that longing, I anthroposophy came into my life in the late 20s. And it began to, you know, through my studies, uh, which were rigorous, I began to understand when I was looking at a tree what I was actually looking at. And when I was sitting across from a human being, it, I began to understand and awaken to what I was sitting across from and what I was listening to. So anthroposophy to me has responded to a deep heartfelt longing. It has filled out cognitively and emotionally components within my soul that I yearned for. So I am very grateful for Rudolf Steiner's contribution to the world which he gave the name Anthroposophy, or the Wisdom of the Human Being. Wow, such amazing answers. Thank you, everybody. Now, that's tough to fall. I'm going to go try my hand at this, too, what, what it is to me. And yeah, as Roberta said, this is you know the personal, the personal spiritual philosophy of 
Rudolf Steiner, I heard him refer to it almost as a being that comes to know itself through, through you, um, and studying it. But like what really brings me alive with anthroposophy is, um, is the, he called Rudolf Steiner calls it spiritual science. So it's a real, it's a merger of the scientific realm and the spirit realm to where one can really like form clarity. I, a good metaphor that I like to tell people is like, like when you're mapping out the physical world, um, you could, you could tell somebody that there's a chair right there, but then you could tell somebody that, you know, like this is a chair made out of like cherry wood and like, and it's got a pad right there and it's got some weaving and embroidery here. And it's got like the detail that comes with anthroposophy to map out unseen realms and, um, unseen worlds is un unparalleled. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it really gives you a grounding to stand on, to understand what would normally seem like the unknowable thing. And so it, it, it really, I've heard it referred to as the second scientific revolution. So it's, it's a real merger of how far, because science isn't that, you know, old. I mean, the, when was the, when did, when did, when did science get born on the earth? Does anybody know? That was like a few hundred years ago, right? Technically in the 1500s. Technically yeah. in the 1500s. Yeah, and mysticism and these great mystic traditions and religion, they go way back. So this is, with anthroposophy, is kind of the first real merger of the two. And it's, I think it's our future. And uh, I'm really excited to like it. The mental clarity that comes with anthroposophy is just amazing. And through the forms that Steiner came up with, like social threefolding and this whole Lucifer and Armand understanding of the world, Maybe we can go in more detail about that later. I, it's really helped me with these forms. It's helped me organize different concepts in the world and just understand the world that I live in much better. And it's also a way of taking um, spiritual concepts and spiritual wisdom and imbuing them in real life activities like farming, like psychology, like addiction, like schooling, like medicine. You know, so it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, how has it changed your guys' life, would you say? We'll start with you, Verna. Kyle, before you go into that, can yeah. I add something sure. to what you Please. said, which I think was critical when Please. you introduced the words spiritual science? Yes. Because my experience has been um, that with anthroposophy, I didn't need to throw any other paradigms out. But instead, you know, whether it has to do with biology, whether it had to do with psychology, um, instead, anthroposophy deepened and enhanced and widened them. And so for me, anthroposophy isn't about getting rid of or throwing what's existing, what's already there, whether it's in science or medicine or education. Instead, it's about enhancing. So I appreciated you bringing in the word um, spiritual science very much so. So thank you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Well, whoever wants to go first, uh, you guys want to talk about how it's changed your life or what it's what it's added? Well, it's it's uh, keeping me going at, at 73 to start another farm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the strength that um, has me waking up excited and um, tackling each day with vigor as much as I can muster. And... Um, basically, it's given me hope uh, as I consider the incredible 
challenges that we face because of climate change, because of the social unrest and distress in human souls. And um, there's both a, an understanding and an overlay that um, of hopefulness to help individuals begin to understand and grab a hold of and find a way to not be filled with despair in this time. And part of what um, we were inspired, my husband and I, when we moved back to this area to conceptualize for the sort of new phase of the work we had initiated years ago in Wisconsin as well, was our relationship with Stefan and Rachel Schneider, who have developed the Institute for Mindful Agriculture and uh, conceptualized a way of working that acknowledges the, the need to uh, attend to three soils. So there's the, the soil that we cultivate for our food and care for and steward the earth. And then there's the social soil, which is how we uh, find the new forms of relating to each other, financing the work, and so on, that we must create and enhance to get out of the polarized situation we're in and also to find a way that uh, lessens the impact of the kind of um, um, financially motivated toward uh, self-interest world that we've gotten to. And then the third and really the gateway to being able to work in the other two in the deepest way is the inner soil work, which is to um, not enter into a therapy program on a farm, but to enter into a, a deeper process of building self-awareness through the modalities of daily work and rhythm and art and uh, music and so on. And that's what we're hoping to bring alive here as a residential possibility for some and working in association with um, the New Roots Farm Incubator Cooperative, which has been uh, helping to support the refugee immigrants in our community to have access to land. So that's, um, I guess that's, I'll stop there, but that's my answer. Okay, thank you. Uh, you are listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. I'm here with Verna Cragness, Roberta Nelson, and Mason Burby, and we all share this uh, this devotion to anthroposophy and this interest. So I'm I have here I'm talking to them about anthroposophy and the initiatives that they are taking out into the world. But um, the question that we were just entertaining was um, how has the anthroposophy changed your life? And I'll send it to you, Mason. Yes. Uh, how has anthroposophy changed my life thus far? Well, uh, I'm going to go off of what Verna was just talking about in terms of the threefold uh, sort of nature that you know she has been working with and learning, learning about in terms of the soil that we cultivate, the physical soil, but then we also move into the social soil as well as the inner soil. And... Um, I was just observing here, I think we have about three different generations at the table right now. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and myself being the youngest generation, Kyle in the middle, and then you two <laughs> being the uh, 
the elderly generation here at the table. <laughs> and um, so I'd like to speak a little bit about being in the youngest generation. Um, you know, we've already touched on how I think for all of us, anthroposophy, this new modality has made a way for all of these different aspects of life to be widened, to be explored more, and to be made more. Myself, growing up, I went to a public school, and uh, I've been to, I've tried out a few different colleges, well, just one, but um, I've tried college and some other schooling methods. And for me, it always seemed as though I was heading towards a, a dead end whenever I would go to these educational institutions. You know, I would be learning things and I would be uh, experimenting and developing different schools, but the road always seemed to come to a dead end where there was no sight beyond that. Um, so I had a lot of trials and tribulations um, not knowing where to go in my early years. I'm 28, 27 years old right now. And so coming in the latter part of high school, coming out of high school, I was a very lost child, I think. Uh, didn't feel like I had any older mentors to guide me. And I also did not resonate with many of the traditional educational systems that are out there. And um, so I was, uh, I was very lost and I didn't know what to do with myself or where to go or who to talk to or how to talk to people for that matter. Um, and, but I've always had this longing to learn more about myself and the world around me. And I have these big giant questions such as who am I and why am I here? And how am I going to live and be in the world that we're in right now? And of course, all the, all of the questions about why is the world a seemingly very crazy and chaotic place right now? Um, you know, of course, I grew up in the age of the internet. And so a lot of my life, it's been information overload for myself. And it can get very taxing sometimes on my, on my mental state with all of the different information coming in. It's, it's been very easy to get lost. And I think I was very lost at one point. Um, with information overload and um, since coming across anthroposophy it feels as though all of these different aspects of the life and reality that we live amidst now has purpose and a meaning and for example I'm interested in physics and how the world works and I remember um, being in high school and I, I left the physics class on the, like the second day because it just it didn't resonate with me. However, now at this recent conference, I have been talking with this man named Gopi who takes an anthroposophical approach to physics and um, through the spiritual science and it leads to a path that continues to grow. Um, and I have been learning more about the uh, inner development work with the help of Roberta through the, for the past six months, where I realized the more that I learn about myself and my early childhood traumas, the more that I can grow into the person I'm meant to be in the future. And so, um, similar to the farm work and the biodynamics, um, I, was, I always had this impression that, you know, you grow food and that's kind of it and you can do a good job at it. You can do good work. And you get your food. 
however, I've been made aware that there is so much more to this. Um, we can grow our food in a way that we can exponentially and forever on learn more about the land, the plants, the elemental beings, and working together that we ourselves evolve as we evolve with the land and as the earth evolves, we can evolve with it. And so I guess um, in a seemingly very dead world around me where we have a lot of chaos and there can be information overload, um, I feel like I now sense that everything interconnects. Physics connects with biodynamics, farming connects with um, healing childhood trauma, and just all these different faculties of life uh, now give a purpose and a meaning for every single thing that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, and I feel as though I'm now on this path of education that I will forever be on. I, I, I will not stop learning, <laughs> because there's always more to learn. Um, so it's sort of as though I've, I've reached a tipping point where there's a whole new meaning um, to my life. So, yeah, and I, yeah, with that, I'll pass it on to you, Roberta. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> okay. Um, you know, Kyle, why, why are you putting me after these two? <laughs> 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 because what they both, what Berna has said and what Mason has said, um, certainly takes in my own uh, story regarding this question of, of what does anthropos what has anthroposophy done for me in my life, right, Kyle? Yeah. Um, Mason used the word lost a couple times, and he also has indicated that his search for knowledge has not necessarily been nurtured by contemporary education. And, um, of course, um, I resonate to that, too, and I suspect that Verna and Kyle, um, sitting at the table, also resonate to that, that, yes, those studies are, are important, so I'm not wanting to indicate that I'm negating them, but that there is something in our soul that we sense there's more, right? That there's more to understanding physics, or there's more going on than what we're taught in an agriculture um, study course or in a psychology course that there's more and so what anthroposophy has r responded to within my soul in relationship to mental health and, and psychology is that um, it has allowed me to discover the more so for example as a young woman I remember in psychology 101 asking the professor when we were going to study the soul. And he gave me a peculiar look and immediately proceeded into continuing his lecture. Because I had enough smarts, shall I say, to look up the word psychology, the origin of the word, which is the study of the soul. And contemporary psychology succinctly defines their field of study as the study of the mind. And that didn't settle well with me. I didn't buy it. And of course, it also brought back the what is the soul even? And where am I going to find information on that? And then there's this word spirit. 
And where am I going to understand that in a deeper, more enhanced way? And what does it mean to be in my body? What is my physical body? And how is it related to the soul? And how is it related to the spirit? And, you know, I have indicated already that I was gifted with an opportunity to study many different um, philosophies at a quite a year early age. And while I was studying, I was also aware that within me, which became apparent in a um, spontaneous interaction I had with my mother and some of my friends, or her friends rather, she was visiting with a couple of women and I, for some reason or other, marched into the conversation and announced that um, we are reincarnated and that needed to take be considered in their conversation. My mother paused and she said, Roberta, go back up to your room. Well, I was this 10-year-old twerp who sensed something and that something was not being addressed in my mainstream um, exposures. Um, so as already indicated, anthroposophy has responded to my experience of being lost. It has responded to my biographical experiences of despair, keeping me away from psychotropic medications, but instead helping me to understand what's going on when a human being begins to experience a sense of being lost, a sense of um, hopelessness, Verna used that word, um, a sense of despair, What's actually happening in the realm of the soul? And how is that happening connected with something eternal? In other words, the spirit. And how does it affect my physiology? Because of that study, my experience in a residential treatment facility for eight years, um, working with adults diagnosed with addiction and mental health um, issues, um, I was able to bring a different, a salutogenic approach to so-called pathology, recognizing that every human being I sat in front of carried within their being, perhaps unrecognized by them, a divine self. And that divine self was capable of guiding their treatments, their mental health treatments. Not I, the so-called authority sitting in the room, my job, which anthroposophy helped me to understand, was to simply guide and to simply discover the questions needed so that the client's inner self, their true self, could come forward within their soul experience and guide them. So what has anthroposophy meant to me in my life? How have I experienced it? It's in every, every aspect of my life. It's permeated everything that I do, that I think, um, and it's very much about learning to be of service, which certainly Verna and Mason have indicated already. Beautiful. So profound. Thank you so much for that, all of you. Uh, I'll try my hand at it, too. For me, like, I have such an inner, like, thirst or desire to, to grow, to change, to know spiritual realities, to know God, to know the universe on a profoundly like deep, mystical, intimate level. I also feel the desire to serve and I see like just the immense 
problems that we face on this planet, just all over the place, everywhere. And it's like, what do we do? And I want to, I want to be everywhere and I don't have enough time to help with everything, you know, but I want to serve and I want to know our creator. And like, for me so often, those things seem split. Like, you know, I'm going to do this deep search to, to know the divine and like meditate. And it's almost like you do that in your free time and then you go out in the world and then you try to help and you serve. But like when I found anthroposophy, it's like this all can be like one thing. Like your insight in the spiritual world can be imbued in your actions in the world. And you can take this like clear spiritual scientific knowledge and it can literally make in a, a factual, literal way everything that you're doing better. I mean, it can you can apply it through farming and through through uh, medicine and through psychology and through almost every field you can think of and it can literally it's like the literal next step of the evolution of these things of these different fields is understanding these unseen spiritual forces so the concepts that i've learned and we don't have enough time for me to get into all of them although i will we will get into the ones the initiatives that you you three are doing Um, and the concepts that i've learned in all these different fields It's given me so much hope because I see real life solutions that really haven't got legs under them yet, that they're still kind of like in the idea realm, the conceptual realm that I'm like, oh my gosh, like people just need to see this, like, like with threefolding and like, like a way to have a healthy social organism and how to have a healthy society. People really, if people like, if we really give these ideas juice in our time and let them unfold and let them manifest in the world i i see real hope i see i see us like being able to forge a path out of this mess that we're in collectively um out of this polarization that seems so fresh in our lives today and and to heal collectively and kind of get on living this this life that we all dream about you know i see that i see like we can literally do it and 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 we can hold that spiritual connection and grow spiritually while taking action to heal the, heal the world. And so that's what I've been able to find in my own life, which I'm so excited. And I've only just begun and I haven't even been involved for not even three years yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into some of you guys' initiatives. You're, you, all three of you are doing so much. Um, well, we are on a biodynamic farm here right now we're starting a biodynamic farm yes okay, yeah it's it, it, you have to be careful because we're not certified yet although okay. we are third year into our transition and we have the possibility of that achieving that this year yet and um basically uh trying to establish uh through a, a real focus on infrastructure development um the possibility of a long um, term project that is demonstrating uh, an integration of livestock and vegetable production. And many times people have gotten segregated into I'll grow vegetables or I'll do livestock and rotational grazing, but to put them together and have the infrastructure support there so that it's easy to accomplish. And uh, we're trying to create a place that is a place where young people can learn and develop their skills uh, as a farmer in a variety of ways, either through involvement with a New Roots Farm Incubator Cooperative and or as an intern with Prairie Rose Farm. 
And uh, so there's associative enterprise going on. Uh, newly funded starting in September, we have the Small Farm Innovation Center, which will uh, begin wraparound services from um, organizations that are really wishing to have a deeper relationship with people who are trying to build food businesses and uh, hopefully have facilities here on the farm that can help support that work and the technical advice to really do that. And then in addition, I'm pulling some ideas I held and developed a long time ago with Robert Karp, who's just left to go back to Viroqua area um, for Farmland Conservation Partners, which has been piloting here some ways to bring investors in to support land acquisition and transition of land in some community-supported ways, really exemplifying the way that uh, CSA um, could be carried into uh, new models for land ownership and financing with the community engagement element that was to be the hallmark of CSA. My husband and I started one of the first two CSAs to market to the Twin Cities in 1990. And so we're developing a community-supported farm here. Um, and we also... Um, yeah, had been working to create a land trust in the Osceola, Wisconsin area. Um, and the farm that we helped establish has its third CSA farmer now, but it's been in continuous operation since 1990 as a CSA. And so it's essentially trying to change the trajectory and form of land ownership, of land transition, um, and, and really build up the kind of local food system that we need here in our Fargo-Moorhead area in the rich soils of the Red River Valley, which has been transformed over time from diversified small farms into large-scale conventional agriculture, primarily focused on commodity crops such as uh, beets, corn, and soybeans. Kyle, can I ask yeah. for another yeah. question, please? So... What you're all listening to are the extensive networking that Verna and her husband Rick are involved with, going way back. How many years now? Forty. Mm, yeah. But you've been actively <laughs> engaged in biodynamic agriculture, trying to bring it forward into a farm setting, right? Right. So, Verna, this is my question, um, but I'm going to do a little bit of background first before I get to this question. So I married into a farm family in um, Cass County in North Dakota, and my husband was the fourth generation to farm a large grain farm. And he chose to switch um, what he was doing from contemporary farming to organic farming. And so when I asked him, what's the difference? What are you doing differently from a contemporary farmer? Part of his response to me is, well, I'm not going to be using herbicides and I'm not going to be using insecticides, and I'm not going to be killing the weeds by spraying them, and I'm not going to be killing the insects by spraying them, because I'm aware that that gets into the food chain. And so these are some of the practices that I watched my husband struggle with for 20-some years. Verna, how does biodynamic farming differ even from organic farming? Can you succinctly state that? What's unique? I mean, you've listed some of the, the enterprises that are coming off of that initial initiative. But to touch on 
what is unique about biodynamic farming from organic and from contemporary? I think the basic thing is that you're really helping to uh, ground and support the being of the farm itself as an integrated organism that is to be acknowledged. And so much has happened since we got started in the organic agricultural arena so that practices that I would want to bring about are very much the same. Cover cropping um, and, uh, you know, integrated pest management ideas, intercropping, all of that. But it's different from the point of view of looking at the spiritual entity of the farm itself to recognize that when you are starting a conversion process that you are dealing almost like a human being that has to detoxify. And so the flush of weeds, which we experienced on our farm in Wisconsin when we took over a field that had been 17 years continuously in corn, and then what happened when you start going through that process. And, you know, we're struggling with that now in our third year here. And uh, it didn't show itself so strongly till this particular year in these uh, conditions, also of heat early and so on. Um, and to just have a different kind of patience for what you're trying to do as a healer and to help see, like you said, to be able to see the individual and help that individual find their higher self to help with healing. So it's to develop an awareness to help put the boundaries around a farm entity by certain kinds of fencing and practice and so on, but then to start to see and listen to the being that wants to express itself on that particular place on earth and then listen and participate as a co-creator with what could be in that location. And that's a very different approach. And uh, it may sound a little woo-woo, you know, for those who are saying, oh, wait a minute, I just want to talk about cover crops. Well, yes, I want to talk about cover crops too and learn from some of the experiences of organic practices. But I'm also trying to bring um, the practice socially that I've needed to evolve in efforts to live in community with differently abled and cross-cultural situations for all the years that we've done, and to really try to pay attention to the nuances of what I'm seeing, and then to say, what is it that wants to be here? And then what's needed in this community? And this community, which is so close to a, a metro area with three colleges, four if you count M State, and basically, um, it's a place where there's a lot of youth who are trying to find their way back into meaning in life from their educational experience, which has been heavy with technology. Uh, I was initially trained as a teacher and as a school administrator. And I'm, I got out at the point when I had to go through my first training for um, a gun drill. Um, you know, and that's a long time ago now. I said, no, I will put my educational administration experiences to a different end to try something different. And I started 
wanting to walk the path of becoming a farmer instead. And I found anthroposophy at that time, and then I got introduced. Oh my goodness, Steiner had something to say about agriculture too? Okay, so what is this biodynamic stuff? And and that's it's been a learning as I go, um, learning from the people who come to visit, um, reading and practice. And we have to wake humans up in order to be the kind of researcher that you need to be to be a farmer. Because that's, you know, it's gotten to be where the bank says, I will fund this amount of application of these kinds of things, and that's the only thing I'll fund you and your farm for. And then you go to the, uh, you know, the uh, chemical company, and you say, okay, what do you tell me i got to grow in order to make this productive and to meet the bank loan? You know, and it's like, and I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> saying that, Every farmer now who's practicing that way and forced, you know, into that mode with their agricultural practice by the banks and the system that's around them. I'm not saying that they aren't also researchers because uh, 201, every farmer that I meet and still love in this community that I grew up in um, are also researchers. But inherent in the young people coming up, you have to find and awaken that possibility within them because they didn't grow up connected to the land where that could have been nurtured as a child through play and through the other experiences that they would have had in childhood on nature and with work and so on. I mean, just the whole experience of how do I get my body to move to be able to dig with a shovel, you know? and It's a lost. It's a lost experience in life. That's what I've experienced with young people. They're not related. Mm -mm. No, and and it's the kind of thing, well, maybe you can do a little bit of coaching and say, no, you got to hold it this way and you got to do this, you know. But what they have to do is they have to see someone doing it and work alongside them. Yeah. And that's where we have a brief moment in time where a few people who have that background are still alive and mobile enough to be able to be out there somehow contributing in that way. If they can't do all of the shoveling, they can at least show them how to get started. And and then basically, you know, from there you have something evolve. But if you go back to child development principles, it was a real insight that anthroposophy gave me through Waldorf curriculum and insight is that a child, when they are growing up, they are learning about how the will force in their body works by watching their adult work. And so that's why LifeWay's curriculum approach for early childhood education is so critical, which had a strong development in Wisconsin and is now across the country for training. And we've had training programs here in the Fargo-Moorhead area for that. But kids... Who, as a child growing up, when both parents are out of the home and the kids are with other kids all day and they don't have adults to watch working, they just play with each other. You know, and so there's a missing piece of education. And so we're trying to create a place that will accept anybody with any amount of experience to come and pick up the path as they want within themselves to start working, learning, growing, and so on. So. Can you hold your thought real quick? Uh, you are listening to 91.9 WDRT, Radio Free, Free Space Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. I am here talking with Verna Cragness, Roberta Nelson, and Mason Burby. We are talking about anthroposophy and the unique initiatives that each one of these individuals has taken out in the world through anthroposophy. Right now talking about uh, 
the biodynamic farm that Verna is creating. And Roberta, you had a question that you wanted to ask. Yes, I do. So I asked Verna if she could differentiate um, contemporary agriculture from organic agriculture and from biodynamic culture. And I hope the listener caught this. When she refers to the being of the farm, and this also goes back to what Kyle said about the gap between science um, and spirit, um, and Mason also mentioned this gap where these different um, disciplines that we have you know, are they an integrative component? And that anthroposophy has that capacity to do that. So when Verna's referencing the spirit, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Verna, when she's referencing the spirit of the farm, what she's talking about, that biodynamic agriculture intentionally invites and encourages in the farmer, is to recognize that there isn't a gap that there's a relationship between the heavens and the cosmos, between what's going on there and what's occurring, and I'm going to use the word body, in other words, the farm, and what she's engaged in is she's using practices that creates an integration of the heavens and the cosmos with the soil on her farm. Is that correct, Verna? Yes, that's correct. But And, and it's an intentional, conscious effort on your part. Right. And for our training, and if you remember, yes, we had Mason's keen interest after a year to get started, and I'm pondering all fall. So how are we going to get started with a deeper study? And so what we started with, because, and I don't know if we'd ever start another training program with this, but it was key, I think, for us. We began to talk, to read the spiritual tasks of the homemaker. Because I said, you know, a farm is a home. First and foremost, it's a home for the people who are living and caring for the land. It is a home for all of the animals and for the plants who live there and so on. And so bring our consciousness about. It helped with our consciousness to begin to help create a connection to a being and to actually have it begin to wake up as such. To eliminate the gap. To eliminate that gap. To bring spirit right into matter. Exactly. Intentionally. Intentionally. And that's the practice that we have deepening work still to do and is unfolding as we begin, you know, and probably several years of continued homemaking on this land, farm making as a process. <laughs> and so, and this is something, you know, when I look back on the efforts when I first got introduced to biodynamics and then what I've learned in the process to say, and to be joyfully able to say, I get a second chance to try this again, and maybe it'll be better this time. <laughs> okay, I got, um, we only have nine more minutes. I got one more question about biodynamics. I feel like we should spend the rest of the time talking about what you're doing with psychology and addiction. We gotta give, um, I understand that Steiner once, or somebody asked Steiner one time, like why people weren't like, like accomplishing their mission or living uh, their purpose. Yes. And and he said that there was because of their food. There wasn't enough nutrients in the food. And I understand that this biodynamic biodynamics is a way to kind of add some more to to cultivate more will forces through the quality of food that you eat. Oh, a little bit more to that quote. He was talking to a young college student who he was giving special attention to guide courses who asked, why do so many people listen to your inspiring words and they don't put it into action? 
And he said the food does not have enough nutrition in it any longer, any life forces any longer, to allow the human being to be able to put their moral thoughts into action. And that was the captivating element for me in terms of why I would want to try to understand about biodynamic agriculture. It's a quote uh, that's in the beginning of the agriculture course. And so, because at that point, I had been in schools for a period of time and struggling to understand just how on earth are we going to have an educated population out of what we're trying to provide young people. And, And then I realized, oh, I've got to cut to the quick and get to the source of the problem, which is our food, and a food that is vital and able. But there's more to that than from there as to what happens as we start to build the capacity to understand that we need to also repair within ourselves. And that's where the inner development work is so critical because of, of sort of, so yes, I'm so... Thank you, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, you want to talk about the inner work, the psychology, Roberta. Well, um, I'm hearing that Kyle and Verna and Mason are inviting me to go into psychology, but guess what? I'm going to mention one more thing. (laughs) So, um, are you aware, dear listeners, of how the ecology system, the ecology movement, was launched? Are you aware that a woman by the name of Marjorie Spock, who is the sister of Benjamin Spock, the baby doctor, whom some of you may have You know, depending on the age of the listeners, you might be very familiar with Benjamin Spock's book on how to raise children. Well, Marjorie Spock was a Waldorf teacher. She was a biodynamic farmer, and she lived in um, New York on Long Island. And the practice back at that time was spraying for the gypsy moths. Um, And so that occurred in her biodynamic garden, and of course it Um, wreaked havoc. It killed. It counteracted what she was attempting to do. So she actually brought the very first lawsuit against a state regarding their practices. And in that particular courtroom was a woman by the name of Rachel Carson. Rachel Carson was the, um, what is it called? It's transcriber, the, you know, the person who was taking the notes. Court, Court reporter. Thank you. The court reporter. And she was so moved by what Marjorie Spock presented in relationship to these ideas that Verna has presented and what Mason is also experiencing here at Prairie Rose. This reporter was so moved that she created a book. And the book's name is... The Silent Spring. The Silent Spring. And that book, which was based on anthroposophic Biodynamic farming practices launched the entire ecology movement. Wow. And um, when I first learned that, I went, just what Kyle just said, wow. So in other words, anthroposophy has been here and has been permeating many of our different disciplines for a long time. And it's quietly operating on the periphery. It's quietly working on the periphery. But perhaps it's now time to bring it forward, to bring it out of the closet, can I say, and to recognize the contributions that Rudolf Steiner gave us in the early 1900s. Wow. 
the root word, uh, the origin of the word psychology is the study of the soul. And I've also alluded to that the soul is, um, is a mediator in a sense. It's positioned between our physical reality, in other words, our bodies, and also between the spirit. And hence, if you can create an imagination of a, of a sphere right now, and the sphere is in the middle, and we call that sphere the soul. And on the right is another sphere, which we call the spirit. And on the left is another sphere, which we refer to as the body. And the soul has the capacity to um, integrate both of these other two realms. And when we run into challenges is when it only works with integrating our desires, our instincts, our passions, in other words, our physical um, corporal reality. It requires um, also the life-giving forces, the eternal forces of the spirit. So in my clinical work, I knew that, and I didn't have to bring esoteric or spiritual science or anthroposophical jargon, because the individuals that I worked with I very, were very open to recognizing that the underlying cause of addiction has to do with a sometimes unrecognized perhaps in most cases, an unrecognized longing for that which is eternal, an unrecognized longing for truth, with a capital T, an unrecognized longing for them to consciously connect with their higher self, with their true self. And the way that I facilitated their recognition of this was to ask them a very simple question. What did their addiction do for them? whether it was pornography, whether it was methamphetamine or heroin. And in every case, they would say words that are associated with spirit, such as peace, such as calmness, such as joy, such as love. And when they became aware that, their action, that they had substituted spirits, such as alcohol, for a search for the spirit with a capital S, their whole approach to their treatment and their healing changed. How's that? That's pretty profound. <laughs> Thank you. I wish we had more time to go. I'm going to have to have you guys back on my show again, um, for sure. And I wish we could have given you more time too, Mason. Um, you want to say the name of the farm one more time? It's Prairie Rose Farm. And you can find us on the internet at prairieinstitute.net if you want to check us out, um, get in contact check out an internship and so on. And then how about you? So the organization that I'm affiliated with um, as president is the Association for Anthroposophic Psychology. The Association for Anthroposophic Psychology. And you can also find that if you Google it. Do you have maybe like a five to 10 second phrase you wanna leave the listeners with? Awareness is key and uh, keep on going. Um, yeah, it's all within yourself, and um, that's it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. It's great to have you on this panel. Great to be on this beautiful farm. You are listening to 91.9 WDRT, Radio Free Space for Roqua, 
and this is the Conscious Bro Show. This is Conscious Bro out.